You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You, you feel this... this nervousness on the phone there sir i've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there i don't think it's something i want to do on an overseas phone you gotta make some phone calls hang up the phone prank caller prank caller ladies and gentlemen welcome to packernet after dark this is the call-in show of the packernet podcast network if you'd like to call in if you'd like to participate in the show please feel free to do so the phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers, but we got some calls. Boy, oh boy, I've been last couple days saying we're all caught up in all that, and so now we're up to 17 calls. We got at least two solid days of uh, you know content coming in, so I appreciate everybody jumping in and uh, helping make sure we keep this show going. But with that said, why don't we go ahead and kick it off with our first caller, Joe the Janitor. Hey, Ryan. Hey. It's Joe the Janitor. Hey, Joe. From Connecticut. The janitor. How's it going, buddy? From Connecticut. So, um, I believe there was another truther. Got another uh, one. I wanted to check that one. Got him. My board, you know. Um, anyway, I did want to touch in on my thoughts about fantasy football. Sure. Um, don't talk about that. Ever. I personally don't do fantasy football. Probably should. Um, maybe I've done it a couple times. Never actually paid money. Okay. But um, got with a couple friends a couple times and did it uh, years ago. Took me away from the fun of football. It, it does a little bit. Um, yeah. I believe as a diehard Packer fan, it's hard to uh, root for other players on other teams because. They're on my fantasy team. Uh, I have noticed that. I mean, it, it's to each their own, I guess. But I, I was so hardcore into fantasy. Um, I did find myself definitely rooting. I don't want to say against the Packers, but if, for example, I was, if it was, let's say, Packers Bears, and I had a Bears player, say Alshon Jeffrey or something on my team, and they had Aaron Rodgers going, I absolutely was rooting for Alshon Jeffrey to get like three touchdowns. And for the Packers to have like seven rushing touchdowns, like that was what I wanted to happen. When I should have just said, "I hope Alshon Jeffrey doesn't touch the ball because he sucks and screw the Bears." That's why. But fantasy man, it just it kind of becomes all encompassing. So I did find that that was part of the thing. I, it didn't bother me really. Um, it felt weird, but it 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 is nice. At least you know. Again, I'm only one year removed from playing it, but it is nice 
last year having not played fantasy football to really just not worry about that at all? Um, so, yeah, I just don't believe in that anymore. I'm a diehard Packers fan, and I'm only going to root for Packers players. Just like I'm not rooting for Devontae Adams in Las Vegas. Right. And I'm damn sure not rooting for Rodgers in New York, right. except for him to stay healthy. Other than that, not rooting for him. Just Packers players. So, yeah, that's why I don't play fantasy football personally. But um, I have seen people who were completely uninterested in football and become, uh, you know, fans of the sport because of the fantasy football. Yep. And, um, you know, they pick the team, they follow that team, they still play fantasy football. Um, so for getting people into football, good thing from what I've seen. But personally, I don't like it. Um, anyway, go home. Yeah, the, the other really good thing about that is it took me from a Packer fan to an NFL fan. I really, for most of my life, or I mean, I'm getting up there now, so I don't know where the midpoint is anymore, but for the majority of my life, I could not care less about anything else. You know, everybody's rattling off NFL stats like Marino and this and that. Dude, I, I didn't pay attention to anything. I didn't know anybody else's record. I didn't care about anybody else's, like I knew who the Hall of Famers were. Um, You know, I knew who Marino and Elway and all these guys were, obviously, but I'm not watching other games. I couldn't care less. I wasn't watching any. All I care about is the Packers. That's all I knew. That's all I cared about. That's all I talked about. Um, and that was it. So fantasy football kind of brought me out of that. And it was actually embarrassing my first NFL draft. I think I've talked about it before. But I was drafting guys with like major names that hadn't been relevant in like five years. Like I, I had Chad Ochocinco in like round six. I was like, dude, I can't believe he's still there. And all these guys were like complete bums at this point. Um but I didn't know. I had no idea. Like I was kind of just going based on what the thing was telling me to draft, aside from a few names that I knew and probably overdrafting Packers players. Um, but it forced me to really start to care about other teams, other players, and start to learn and branch out. And obviously now there's so much information. I mean, now there's social media all over the place on top of different websites. I mean, PFF has got me unbelievably plugged into every team's roster and all these things just from – Having having to glance all the time just for random reasons, looking at this, that, or the other, you, you start to remember or understand different things. But yeah, that that was the first official thing that took me from just a Packer fan who could not care any less about any other thing to an NFL fan. So I mean, fantasy's cool, man, and it, I I don't want to take that away. I mean, I I remember how much fun it was. And how into it I got. And I know for a lot of people, it's that much fun. And the only reason I stopped liking it is because I started getting into like three, four, five fantasy football leagues a year. And it just completely ruined the fun for me. Because you're rooting for and against everybody. So if you're going to play, play one one league. That's it. If you want to do more, that's fine. Maybe you do a bunch every single year. I would advise you to just stick to one. Because it is no fun... And I don't even remember who my, like you 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 form a bond with your players when you play that one team like these are my guys. I don't even remember who's on my teams anymore. When I've got four leagues going on, you know, two three different uh, sites. I got an ESPN. I got a sleeper league. I got a. Uh, I always to love Yahoo. Yahoo was always my favorite. Everybody hated it, but that was the one I always liked to use. I loved their tracker, so I could pull up like that tracker, watch every single game. They got like the live everything where they're showing like where the ball is. I, I thought that was the best thing, but everybody hated Yahoo for whatever reason. 
But yeah, I got four or five teams on three different websites. I don't know who's on my team. Half the time, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for a guy, but also I'm against him in another league. And it's like, it just, it, it completely ruined everything. So stick to one league and form a bond with those players. And there you go. I know how much fun it is. And if you enjoy it, that's awesome. Just don't allow yourself to be like me where I, and I, I it was for different reasons. Like I had my league and I like to keep that going for as long as I could. Then there was like a work league. Then there was the podcast thing. And it was like, okay, well, I do one. Well, then there's a bunch of patrons. So it's like, okay, well, let's do like two of these. So I've got like two Patreon things and I've got two other ones. So I'm in four leagues and it's, I'm not paying attention to any of them. I'm forgetting to set all my rosters and I just don't care. It's it's no bueno. No bueno. Hey, Ryan Jada from California. What up? I was just thinking about the insights from the play callers. Um... And something they talked about, right, was how Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala te- teamed up and really honed in their offense and defense, battling each other in practice to try to get ahead of everybody, right? Yeah. Well, you heard the same thing with Wade Phillips and Sean McVay, mm-hmm. and then you heard the same thing with Wade uh, or with uh, Sean McVay and Brandon Staley, right? Well. 2022 Packers, I think they were trying to do something similar to try to see the offense and defense, what things they needed to do to stay ahead of everything and be on the cutting edge. And I think they just, both sides working against each other um, with what they came up thinking what the 2022 Packers game to look like. I think they both, when we started, both. Come on back now. We lost you. Where are you at? I know there's there, more but words here. It wasn't here. what the NFL actually was, and that's why it took a while for us to catch up. So I don't know. That's just a thought that I had, thinking about all that stuff from then. You know, let me know your thoughts. Go back, go. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. I think these kinds of questions are real tough because, you know, it's it's a theory, you know, but how do we corroborate that? That's where it gets tough. It's sort of like the whole, you know, is the offense going to change now that, you know, Rodgers is gone and, and Love is in? Like, I I don't even know where to begin with that, partially because the way, the, the, the things that I'm good at, that's outside of my realm. That's actually more of like a Clayton question, in my opinion, because he's more looking at X's and O's. And that's kind of an X's and O's type of question. You know, like if I had SIS, I could maybe kind of delve into that a little bit looking at formations, but even the formations don't really tell you a ton, just in a broad sense, like, oh, you know, here's how many times they ran out of this formation or whatever, or, or how many times wide receiver ran this route. It, it would be way too hard to try to glean those types of things. And so looking at the defense, I mean, some people have already kind of dug into the difference between the first part of the season and after uh, the bye week and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, for example, I recently went back and tried to look at some stuff schematically just to try to answer some questions in my own mind. And there, it's such a complex thing that although I could do it, it would take such a long time. Like, for example, I'm looking at individual routes. Whereas, you know, Clayton or Dusty or any of the the film types of people would look at that and say they're running this concept and they're running this concept against this defense for this purpose. 
And so where some people understand the concepts at a at a more macro level, I'm I'm looking at it individually saying, okay, so this right, you know, I, I can I have to kind of build that from the ground up. And so it would be a much slower process for me to be able to look into those kinds of things. And so it's really hard for a question like this to be able to say, I mean, I think even if you do these things, you still have to go back and you have to chart like every single play and then understand like the identity of the defense based on that. And and I think Dusty does that. He actually has, last I remember, he charted every single play. So he knows every concept that was run. So that would be a very good Dusty question if you ever were able to get his ear to be able to look at the kinds of concepts that they were running and how that evolved over time. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's possible as a theory that, you know, they were trying to be ahead of the curve and maybe they misjudged where the NFL was at and they just fell flat, like those guys that go stave, stage diving and nobody catches them. But it also could be, you know, one of 76 other different things, and, and that I just don't know. And again, I, I, you could certainly get, and, and the other thing is it's, it's obviously multiple things and not just one thing. So you, you can go back and watch it for yourself and you can see some of the failures. I mean, there are times you can watch it. You don't need to know film to know that was a stupid call. Like there's, there's no winning here. I shouldn't even say a stupid call. It was a, it was a good offensive call against that defensive call. And, and, you know, when that happens more often than not, then obviously your defensive coordinator is not on the same level as the defensive coordinators. If they're beating you more often than you're beating them. But then mixed in with that, you'll see defensive players just not doing what they're supposed to do. And yes, there's nuance in there between, well, technically he should have done this or that or whatever. But you start to see some of those things come to fruition. But is it specifically that, you know, they were trying to get out in front of it and they misjudged it and that kind of screwed them up? I I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to begin trying to verify that. Even if I could chart every single play, what am I looking for? I mean, it could almost be the exact opposite. Maybe they were going with a more traditional Fangio thing, and then they, they kind of learned where the league was, and then they adapted to that. I, you know, Again, that's just another theory that just, can just be thrown out there. But I, I, I don't know how to answer your question, Daniel. I spent 10 minutes telling you that I don't know how to answer it. So I hope that's satisfactory. <laughs> Yo, what's going on, Ryan? This is Chris from Alabama. What's going on? Uh, just calling in uh, to give my uh, prediction on the season. All right. And I want to also answer uh, Trucker Files' question that he asked about the six playoff teams that you would take out and the replacement with six more. Uh, first, I'll say uh, our record, I'm leaning 11 and 6, okay. 10 and 7 to 11 and 6. Uh, a couple of games that. I'm pretty sure that we might, probably might not win the Kansas City game. I got a loss for Kansas City. I think we split with Minnesota. We split with Detroit. So that's three losses. Uh, the Saints game is going to be tough. We're at home. That's kind of iffy one. Giants game is on the road, depending on what they look like. That's kind of like an iffy one. Uh, the Chargers are at home. I, I'm kind of high on the Chargers. I actually put us a loss for that one. So, you know, that's why it's like 11-6, and 10-7. If we end up winning one of those games between the Saints, uh, the Giants, you know, uh, the Broncos, I think we should beat the Broncos, but that might be kind of sort of a iffy one. But, yeah, I'm going 11-6, 10-7, I also got us winning the NFC North. We, nice. I got us winning the NFC North. With an eleven and six or ten and seven record, because I all right, I got you officially down at ten point five. Feel like either one of those records would be enough to win, 
this division. And as far as the playoff teams go, uh, the NFC was kind of easy for me. Uh, the three teams that I kick out of the NFC is going to be Seattle, Minnesota, and Tampa Bay. I'm replacing Tampa Bay with New Orleans. I'm replacing Minnesota with us, obviously, because I got us winning the division. And I'm replacing Seattle with Detroit. I'm going to go ahead and, right. and, and, and give Detroit a little bit of respect and say they finally get over the hump and they finally get into that to that playoff spot as a wild card. You know, I'm, I'm going to give it to Detroit. But as far as the AFC, I say Miami for sure, and I, I got the Jets replacing them. Okay. Baltimore and the Chargers, I'm high on both of those. But if they were not to make the playoffs, I'd say it would be Cleveland and maybe either Pittsburgh. Uh, it's, it, that's, that's tough. AFC is, is tough over there. Like, if Lamar stays healthy, I think they make yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. And if, if the Chargers don't make it, Brandon Staley is gone, so... Yeah, that's a tough one, but I'm gonna go with Cleveland, uh, the Jets, uh, and yeah, just Cleveland and the Jets. I can't, I can't do nobody else. But then- yeah, he, he called back in. I think that's pretty similar, at least the AFC to what I did. I know I put the Jets in. I don't remember exactly who I took out, but I think I put the Jets in, and then I think I removed Baltimore and I put in both the Steelers and Cleveland is what I think I did. But I, I do agree. I think if um. You know, I know there's a lot of weird stuff with Baltimore maybe having a new kind of offense or whatever, but I mean Baltimore's able to get in with Lamar playing like a half a season. Um if he's healthy all season, I, I just I would assume they're gonna they're gonna make it. Um, especially based on how good Lamar was last year. He's been kinda up and down in my mind in terms of, you know, I mean obviously he can run, but is he a good passer? His first year was terrible, his second year was great and he won MVP, and then I think after that wasn't very good. And it's kind of been back and forth. This past year, I think he was just absolutely on fire as a obviously as a, a runner and a passer. So he is like the ultimate quarterback that you're kind of looking for. But at the same time, the injuries are really starting to stack up, which I think is part of the issue with where he had his contract stuff going on. Because um, obviously the league is looking for that. They're they're looking for the next Lamar. But um, I would assume that the injuries were a big problem. But I would agree with that. If I'll kick Baltimore out. Because I don't have faith in his health, um, but yeah, if you if you tell me he plays every single game, I'm putting them in. Hey Ryan, Chris from Alabama again. What up? Uh, I had also had a question. Uh, anybody can call in and chime in, uh, you know, on the question. But my question is, how many passing yards would Jordan Love have this year? Okay. Well, actually, I ask it like this. Do you believe that Jordan Love would have over or under 4,000 pass yards this season? I'm going to go out on a limb because I'm, I'm on the positive side of things. I'm trying to be on the positive side of things anyway. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he goes over 4,000 yards. It won't be significantly more than 4,000. I'd say maybe about 4,100 or something like that. Yeah. I think the bulk of those yards are going to be big plays to Christian Watson because of the speed. I think he's going to be open a lot downfield, and they're going to get a lot of chunk plays. So I'm going with over 
that's that's my answer. Uh, just let me know what you're thinking. Like I said, anybody else, you know, that called in and they want to answer that question, get their thoughts, you know what I'm saying, feel free. But, yeah, I think I think Jordan love him, being optimistic. So I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be pretty good. I'm not going to go out and say Aaron Rodgers 2020 or Patrick Mahomes or none of that. I think he can be a 4,000-yard passer. That should put him, what, top 10? Yes. Top, top 10. You're right I know, at top 10. Top 15, yep. for sure. Yeah, it's top 10. But yeah, oh, I'm going with the over. So based on last year. Let me know what y'all guys think. Over or under 4,000 yards, I'm going with the over. Anyway, go pack go, and I'll talk to y'all later. Yeah, so, I mean, there's the, the easiest and laziest way out of this is just to do some simple math. Um, based on his... 91 dropbacks and 81 passing attempts. Jordan Love has a career yards per attempt at 7.3. Now, there's no guarantee. If he's a bad quarterback, that means you aren't able to sustain drives, which means you get less attempts. But if we just take the 7.3 and apply that to Aaron Rodgers' uh, 542 attempts, that puts him at 3,957. <laughs> so... Right on the bubble. Now, this past year, his his uh, yards per attempt was nine point three. But you know, obviously, when you throw a little dump off pass to Christian Watson, who takes it to the house, um, I figure you pro- probably balance it out between that game, the Chiefs game, which wasn't as good. It was like six point six, and then all the other little mini tosses in between, and just go with his career average. Because now you're talking about a, a semi sizable number. Um, I'm trying to think of a reason to put him over, but like you said, that that puts you top 10. So even if, um, let me get rid of the Green Bay thing here, even if you put him at that number, that would put him at number 11. That would put him in between Jalen Hurts and Aaron Rodgers if he had 3,900. And obviously, I mean, we don't know about the rest of it, but um, that would put him in really solid company. You know, if you're one spot behind Jalen Hurts as a passer, um, I don't think too many people are going to be upset about that. As far as the yards per attempt, I'm just curious how, like, am I being super unrealistic? Mm, I don't think so. 7.3 is would be 12th. Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Joe Burrow were at 7.3 this past year. So certainly attainable. And so if we do the rest of the math, obviously the interceptions are going to suck because he threw three in 2021. So he's at three touchdowns, three interceptions. But... It would be 3,900 yards, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, which obviously really sucks. The 13 touchdowns would be tied for 27th with Ryan Tannehill, and then the 13 interceptions would be 7th most with Matt Ryan and Trevor Lawrence. But if we just take 2022, just for fun, Jordan Love would have 5,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 0 interceptions. So 5,040 yards would put him in fourth place uh, between Tom Brady and Justin Herbert. Um, His 26 touchdowns would be tied for 10th. Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert had that. And obviously zero interceptions would be whatever. And actually, actually, I I was kind of surprised at how low the numbers were. It largely has to do with the lack of attempts that Aaron Rodgers had. I mean, it it wasn't that terrible. It was 11th. Um, But, you know... He had 542 attempts. Tom Brady had almost 800. It was 799. So really not even close to (laughs) some of these other guys. 
So I guess to answer your question, I'll go under and just put in the caveat that he can still be a good quarterback and be slightly under that. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and see what Kyle from Madison's all about. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Ryan. Kyle from Madison. What's up? So, I know... Uh the channel's been talking a lot about this play caller series. I just started listening to it and just been doing some of my just amateur, you know, every man film breakdowns, things I see having watched football for 35 years. Um, so I'm not an expert, but one of the things I keep seeing that I think is an interesting and potentially important point going forward is this Shanahan LaFleur system. I believe really depends greatly on sequencing plays. It feels a lot like a boxer feeling out the propensity of their opponent to block certain ways against certain punches. Yep. And you see smart boxers take advantage of that 
later in the match. And I think there's kind of two ways that this has gone when they tried to kind of meld these. By the way, I just want to jump in here because as you're talking, I I just got done recording uh, the regular podcast episode, which is going to come out in like two days or whatever, but I referenced boxing. And um, anyways, it's funny because as I'm sitting here and thinking about it, I'm like, there are so many parallels here. So the, the thing that I brought up is how even as we shift to running, the, the goal isn't running. The goal is still passing. All we're trying to do is work the body to get you to drop your elbows so I can hit you right in the head, right? But even as you're saying, it's true, and what are we ultimately trying to do? We're trying to find space, an area where you're not blocking, and I'm going to do that by trying to cause you to move your hands to where I can hit you. So as I'm boxing you, I'm going to pick up on some of your tendencies, and I'm going to adapt to what you're doing. And part of it is setting things up, right? So throughout the fight, I'm going to throw jab, jab, cross, jab, jab, cross. And over time, you're going to expect that. And what, what else do boxers do? They'll, they'll, or even MMA might even be kind of better because you've got multiple different things you can throw aside from just punches. But I'm going to make something look like something and I'm going to come in with something else. So you're going to expect something. You're going to put your hand right where I want it to be. And instead of that cross, when you put your hand up, I'm going to kick you right in the ribs. But I've been setting that up the whole time. I've been setting it up to try to create space so that I can attack the space and connect. So, yeah, I think, I think there are plenty of parallels there. LaFleur, uh, Rogers slash McCarthy systems. Rogers has had great success, um, what I would say, coming back to plays, where he'll see something. You'll hear him in postgame. You know, he'll, he'll try something and it didn't work, or he'll see something, but he didn't get to that read. And you'll hear him in the postgame, you know, yeah, we had Devontae open on this or that, and... We wanted to run it again later in the game, and they'll get a yeah. big play. And he's won a lot of games with that. He's just obviously an incredible quarterback, smart guy. But I think the way the Lafleur and that system kind of did things. I mean, Lafleur seemed like he was willing to eat a couple downs to learn some information about the defense right. to set up a play later in the game. Same thing with Shanahan. Like they'll go back to the well on something until you stop, and they almost train your defense to continually keep doing the thing so that you can spring something later. And I feel like just the whole notion of eating it down to get information was anathema to Rogers. I just don't think he could handle it. And that's why he was just checking out of a lot of these shorter yardage plays, things he didn't see had a big gain opportunity. He just, he wouldn't run them. Uh, Even if that's really what you need to do. Right. Um, The willingness to do that. You hear that, in that play caller series about the zone blocking, you know, and I think you've mentioned it too. It's the willingness to keep running out of certain formations, not necessarily the effectiveness. And so going forward, I think it'll be interesting to just really watch the sequencing LeFleur puts out there and assuming love sticks to the script, what difference will that make on the offense? All right. Yeah, and essentially what you would what, what you would expect is is winning games later on, and, and I feel like the Packers are starting to struggle with that. You know, we started to kind of taper at the end of games, probably because other teams were setting us up, and we were not doing that with them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree 100%, and I had, I had made a similar point. Um, and again, maybe that podcast hasn't come out yet, but I feel like me and you, Kyle, are on the exact same wavelength, man. I just <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I had made the point that you know, that that's the whole thing with the illusion of complexity. We're going to run this play, but you never know exactly what's going to happen when we get out of this play. It's going to look like that thing that you just saw, 
three, four, five different times, but this time we're going to do something different. And as you react to it, to try to stop it, that's exactly what we want you to do. We want you to be able to stop it. But if you don't run that, regardless of whether it's a good look or not, then you're not setting it up. And so they're not going to be trained, as you said, to attack it a certain way. And, and I think you're right. I think Rodgers' goal was he went to the line, he read the defense, and he decided, is this the right, the, the, the best possible play we can run? If not, I'm going to change it to what is the best possible play. And this is kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the ecosystem, right? That there is a formula here. It's actually very similar to, to running the ball. Like when, you know, the analytics people say it's, it's not about running well, it's just about running. We're not necessarily trying to get a 50-yard run. If we get it, that's great. But we're just trying to run to get you to, to jump on it so that we can hit you later on with that play action. I don't really give a crap if this play works or not. I need you to believe that we're going to do it. Because if you don't believe we're going to do it, then play action is dead. But you got to be willing to eat those plays. It's chess, not checkers. And I do think Rodgers was playing more of a... I think he was playing more checkers. It was just about winning, and, and, and checkers probably has some longer-term strategy too. But you get the idea. It, he wants to put in the best possible play in this moment. And I don't think that's exactly how these are built. Now, again, nobody wants to come out and fail. You want to come out and have your plan be dominant, and you just beat them through four quarters. But the point is, in order for us to have an answer all the way through this game, we need to be able to show you something. And then if we can't win, we need to be able to adapt it, but without changing very much. We, everything looks the exact same. We're just running something a little bit different. So we run this play. You stop it. We're going to run that play again, but we're going to change it differently so that if you keep attacking it that way, and that's the thing, every single play has multiple layers, and they're not just arbitrary. We've got this play, and we run it five different ways. And in those five different ways, any way you run your defense, one of these five can answer it. So if we run it this way, all, you know, in that quarterbacks thing, and I referenced this recently as well, Pat Mahomes talked about how, you know, the the everybody's running that too high, right? So he's just been working underneath. This is where the, the boxing thing came in. So he's just working the belly, working the belly. He's just throwing the underneath throws. Well, they jumped it and got a pick. Pat Mahomes was excited. He was happy he threw a pick because you know what? The 49ers said they were going to drive their safeties down and attack it. So he, what did he know? I can beat you over the top now. And he was happy because like, dude, now we can really kick the crap out of you. And they did. They scored, I think, 44, 45 points in that game. If you're going to drive your safeties down, if that's the game plan you came in with, we're going to attack over your head and you are super screwed. There's a reason we've been beating people up in the, in the shallow game, and people are letting us do it. And you just discovered why. Not smart, San Francisco. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's, we're going to run this play and feel it out. If it's successful, we can run it again. And we're going to keep running it. And then you're going to make an adjustment. And we're going to run it again. At least that's what you think. You're going to see us run the same formation. You're going to see the same post-snap pre-snap movements, right? Pre-snap movement, you're going to see the post-snap, and everybody moves in those first few seconds. That's the point of this. In, the in those first few moments, everybody runs the exact same way. So even after the ball is snapped, there's something in your brain that says, I know this play, and I'm going to go get it. And in that moment, we're running something different, and your ability to attack it and adapt to it is your own undoing. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's a system that you just can't win, but you have to be willing to play along. You have to. And um, again, I don't know this to be the fact, but it just makes sense to me that that's what Rodgers wanted to do. He, he always, he was great at reading defenses, and he was great at understanding football to such a high degree that he knew the best individual play to beat that defense. 
But again, that's not what we're trying to do. Those are not the kinds of offenses that are winning. That's not how the Chiefs are winning. That's not how the 49ers are winning. That's not how teams are winning today. And, and, and the teams that maybe can win that way are teams like what we had back in the past when it was peak Aaron Rodgers and Devontae and just all these elite weapons to where you could just look at Devontae, give him a little nod, and Devontae's like, yeah, I see it too, because he can read a defense just as well. He's going to run exactly to that one spot. You, you two are both in sync on it, and you throw to that spot and you win. That's great in that one instance, but it's not as good of a long-term strategy all the way down the line because it, it, it makes it way too susceptible to failure. It's, it entirely hinges on you and the other superstars on your team, and it, it hinges on you never making mistakes, always being able to read the defense and making the right reads and being on the exact same page. Oh, and we can't ever face a defense that's able to take Devontae away or we're screwed. I, I, this is just a, a smarter way to do it. Now, if you can do it with elite weapons like the Chiefs, great. But regardless, this is how an offense should operate. This is what I'm excited to see moving forward. And you're right, I'm, I'm with you 100%. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. And, and again, in my mind, that's what we saw against Philadelphia. You know, a lot of people that don't like love look at it and go, oh, there's nothing special. Exactly. Exactly. Nothing special about that. But it was efficient. Suddenly, this team, the Eagle, or the, yeah, the Eagles that were not really having a hard time stopping us, didn't seem to have an answer. And Jordan Love just very simply, very, just with very quick passages, boom, boop, 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 down the field. What happened? just executing the offense he's not making changes or, or or whatever it's just here's a play to beat the defense that they've been running this entire freaking game okay read the read my keys check the linebacker if he comes up i throw it behind him if he drops back i throw it in front of him you know you check that or, you know if he does this then i go to my number two or three as long as you know that it's just big back boop bop bing and then it just comes down to you know i mean the the wide receivers know need to be able to run routes properly which I'm guessing almost everybody in the NFL can do, with very few exceptions. I mean, it might take some time, but, you know, you know how to run routes. You've been running routes since you were a kid. That's why there's so many good wide receivers coming into the NFL these days with the whole seven-on-seven thing and everybody else. Everybody's running a billion routes all the time, even in the summer now. So we need a coach that's able to diagnose and understand, okay, here's what they're doing. Here's how we can attack it. That, that kind of remains to be seen. Can you do that consistently through four quarters? And we need a quarterback that understands, okay, here's the play. Here's why that play was called. Here are the keys I need to read. And I'm just going to go one, two, three. And as long as I have time in the pocket, somebody should be open. And if not, then I've, I've got only a few options. I can throw it away. I can try to make a play with my legs. Or I can try to keep the play alive and try to do the scramble drill thing. And, and again, that's where you look at it and say, well, he can never do that like Rodgers can do that. Well, yeah, probably right. Rodgers was incredible at, you know, after the play, especially when he had guys that, you know, knew how to do that with him, like Randall and Jordy and all that stuff. Those guys were phenomenal. But I don't want an offense that depends on when all hell breaks loose, you know, can, can you do some magic backyard BS? I love that we had such good... I mean, even Favre. I mean, for 30 years, we've had guys that could just make magic out of nothing, and it's awesome. But I, I don't want to just thrive in chaos. I just want to be freaking good. I just want to be unstoppable. I mean, it's it, so many teams out there that are really good, even the, the 49ers who don't have a quarterback, you look at it and it's like, you guys are freaking cheating. I mean, I, 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 it sounds stupid to say, but you watch like you know Tom Brady with the Patriots or the 49ers or the Chiefs, and it's like, dude, this is BS. How can they just call a play and somebody's wide open? It's not fair. I watch the Packers and nobody's open. Why is this happening? Well, if that's what you want to just be able to consistently get guys open, then you gotta fall in line with this way of playing. You know, going back to the boxing analogy, it feels like Aaron Rodgers is more just like Mike Tyson. You can put your guard wherever you want. You block whatever you want. I'm still gonna knock you out. 
I'm going to make you knock yourself out with your own hand. <laughs> Go ahead and block your head. I'm still going to punch you right through your glove and knock you out. And Mike Tyson was a great boxer. Until he wasn't. But moving forward, we don't have Mike Tyson. And maybe Jordan Love is, that's great. But again, this is what I would like. I would like to be more like the teams that play intelligent four-quarter football, not just intelligent in-the-moment football. And I want to be a team that just cheats. That is just unfair. Like, oh, there's, there's a guy wide open. I don't want to hear Bears fans just pissing and moaning like, oh, wow, yeah, super great throw, stupid love. Everybody's wide open because you got the best play caller in football. Or, you pack of fans are so stupid. He never, I want that. I want that to be the case where nobody gives Jordan Love any credit because everybody's wide open. Because I'm not going to care. It's not going to bother me. Great. Yeah, he sucks. When nobody's open, then he can't throw, and he doesn't know what to do. But guess what? Everybody's open all the time, and so we go to the playoffs, and you don't, because we're great, and you suck, and you can make all the excuses you want. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Give me that. I'll take that. Oh, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Slow down. All right. We're talking about hot dogs. Yes. Just Nico. What's up, Nico? Um, so... Vienna beef, Jumbo French pasta. Just back, I can get those at my local Albert. I will definitely try those. Uh, hot dogs. No, one time about ten years ago, my wife watched some uh, some you know video show about how hot dogs are horrible. Right. And she made me watch it. It's like one of those you eat better food things, and it showed how they boiled all the meat off of the bones and just used every scrap and you get cockroaches and can't mm. see you and all that stuff and so it squirts it out of a tube and you know cooks it and, and you just brought and and when we were done right and she had been telling me about this documentary how if you watch it you're nothing like hot dogs reminds me you ever seen the one with uh chicken nuggets they uh, somebody did some kind of thing. I don't know if it was a video or a documentary, and it was like this pink paste, and it's this horrible, disgusting thing. And then McDonald's is like, "Yeah, that's completely fake." And then they showed how they use like actual chicken breast, and they grind it, and then they put it in there or whatever. So it was it was like it was some theory that like it was like feet and beaks and butts and feathers, and then then they put this like pink dye in there, and it was just this disgusting gloop. It was completely fake. But anyways, and. Uh- so I watched it, you know, she's my wife. And uh, when it was done, she's looking at me like, huh, what do you think? And I'm like, I'm going to go to Winter Central and get a bunch of chili dogs. Would you like some? Because <laughs> i tell you what hot dogs, I'll tell you. Mm, mm. All right, so I'm going to give you some Vienna beef, huh? I'll try them. Yep. And uh, i tell you what, I know you said you're not complaining. I got mad respect because sometimes less is more. Yeah. But you had a spiral hot dog? Mm. Um, just Google how to make a spiral hot dog. You got to cook it on the grill. It kind of crisps edges. Sure. Because you create edges. Yeah, you get some extra dog. surface area. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, I tell you what, it really pop makes that flavor pop. Even just just spiral hot dogs, throw them in the bun, boom, eat it, it's good. Yeah. But that's all I got to say, because if you start talking about food and meat and stuff, I get excited. Oh, I do too. So, I'm Pete, with you. Uh, go back. Go. Oh, I also heard you were having a problem with your back. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. So I'm going to get some Vienna hot dogs, <laughs> Vienna meat things, whatever they're called, and uh, I'll give those a try. So thanks, Ryan. Peace. Yep. Late. 
Yeah, so uh, what the heck was it my dad used to always get? I didn't really like him as much, but um, just all beef hot dogs. That's that's the way to go. I love all beef hot dogs. The popular Chicago style is the Vienna beef. Um, I don't know, beef, uh, I don't know what they call them, but I'm sure Vienna makes a bunch of different kinds, so you could probably find a Vienna pork and a Vienna Polish sausage or whatever, so just make sure they're the beef franks. But yeah, those are delicious. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty and, and chili dogs are great, by the way. I, I love chili dogs, but I'm, I'm pretty basic when it comes to it. But I, again, it's, I don't care for mustard. I mean, I, I kind of like mustard, but not just straight mustard on stuff. I can tolerate it. I don't like onions. I don't like pickles. I don't like tomatoes. I don't like peppers. I don't like relish. So it's not even necessarily that it's like I like them, but I don't like them on hot dogs. No, I just, I don't like them, period. So I can understand why some people would. But I, I, I mean, genuinely, even with stuff I like, I don't really like adding too much because I, if I like it, I like it, you know, and with all beef hot dogs, even if it was like burgers, I don't like bacon on burgers. I like bacon. It's fine. I don't want it on my burger and I don't want an egg and barbecue sauce and all this stuff. Like it's fine as like a once in a while, like, oh yeah, that's good. But I, I genuinely just like the taste of it, and I don't want stuff taking away from the taste of it. Like, oh, do you like the bacon burger? Like, oh, yeah, cool. It tastes like bacon. Great. I like the taste of burgers better than bacon. If I wanted to eat bacon, I'd just eat bacon. This doesn't... So that's that's me. And yes, cheese, I think, does make the burger better. So I put cheese on it. And I put ketchup on burgers if the burger's bad, which is rare, but sometimes people overcook burgers, they taste like crap, and you've got to put ketchup on them. And that's the same thing with, with hot dogs. I don't really like pork hot dogs very much. They're fine, but you put some ketchup on them, it's, it's good. It's, it, uh, it makes it edible and enjoyable. But yeah, you put, when you load up, I mean, I can't even imagine if you got a all beef, like you ate it Chicago style with, with all the stuff on it. You can't, there's no way you can taste that. It, it's got to be like onions and pickle and texture of hot dog. You cannot taste that hot dog. There's maybe just a hint in there somewhere. I don't know, man. I just, I freaking love it. So I'll get those plain hot dogs and then you get them with those super soft buns and I'll like squish the bun on there. Just go to town, suck down four of those things. No problem. Which again is easier to do when there's no toppings on it. It's not as much food, but I just like it. It's good. It's delicious. Try it. You'll like it. Hey Ryan, it's Craig from Indiana. Howdy. Um, few random thoughts. I've been meaning to reply to some of the conversation going on. Okay. Um, one is I think the wins will be 10. I bet and took the over on seven and a half, so I feel really good about that, actually. Sure. But um, feeling, uh, feeling a little bullish, and I think it is bullish, uh, yeah. on the 10 wins. Um, also, uh, best hot dogs, Hebrew National Franks that's, are that's the, the best. One. That's uh, the one my dad made used to with get, all of kosher beef. I've actually seen the meat before it goes into the dog, and I would throw that meat on the grill and eat it. I can't say that about other hot dog stuff I've seen. Um, yeah, my dad, who you met, big Hebrew, he would always get those and he'd boil them. And um, I don't know if it was just the kind he got or the way he cooked them or what. It always had like a sweetness to it. Like there was some flavor in it. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. It was fine, but there was just, there was something I kept picking up on that was like, that's it's a weird thing. I don't know what it was. And maybe it's just because I grew up eating the Viennas that... You know, I, I was accustomed to that particular flavor. So then when I got the Hebrews, it was like, yeah, they're good, but there's just some weird sweetness thing in there that's throwing me off. But I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was trying to think of. But anyway, if you haven't tried them, definitely worth it. Um, uh, usually a little bit more on the expensive side, but uh, you can often find them on sale or at Costco if you want to buy a boatload of them. Yep. 
uh, anyway, big fan of those. And the third thing was, yeah, I'm going to go with Truther. So, okay. uh, um, and I, frankly, I hope someone's taking some notes on Joe's life and makes that into a movie, which no one will ever <laughs> believe is, uh, is, uh, is probably really based on a true character, but, uh, it could That's be true. pretty entertaining. So, um, Anyway, just wanted to uh, kind of get caught up with those things. Take care. Bye. Yeah, appreciate it. And, uh, again, glad that you reminded me of that because I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it was. And I just remember my dad didn't cook very often, but I remember he did the he'd throw those in there and then you see the grease kind of come up to the top. Um, but, yeah, that was just they – were, they were good, but, man, there was just some weird flavor in there somewhere that was driving me nuts. Anyways, a quick recap here. Um, we, I don't know if we have any deniers cause I feel like Kyle changed his mind, but, uh, Bramble, Aaron, Joe, the janitor, obviously Steven, Alaska, Nico, Wayne, Eli, Dakota, and Craig are all truthers. Um, and again, if we can get a, a solid truther from Kyle from Madison, I think I'm just going to shut this down because apparently nobody believes that anymore or doesn't want to admit that they do. I don't know. I wish they'd come on so we could have some kind of a controversy, but, um, there doesn't seem to be one. And then as far as the wins, uh, Wayne has us at 17, because why not? Eli the Carpenter at 12. Chris from Alabama, 10.5. Kyle from Madison. Steve from Detroit. And Craig have us at 10. And Dakota, that nerd, uh, 8.5 wins. So there you go. We're all caught up. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.